Hey, what is up, guys? Matt Sutton here, and welcome back to another episode of Mastering You, the Lifestyle Performance Podcast. Uh, thanks so much to those of you that reached out and told me how much you enjoyed last week's episode with the author of Thrive, Dean Colson. Uh, if you have listened to that episode, you're going to love this week's as well because the theme is much the same. Obviously, the theme of all our episodes is always about self-mastery, but um, last week's definitely lends itself nicely into this week's. Um, so this week, we are going across the pond again, back to the U.S., I like to talk to some of our U.S. guests. We have a massive listenership in the U.S., so big shout out to you guys. Thank you for supporting the show. Um, so today, I'm talking to holistic lifestyle specialist and the founder of the Captain's Lifestyle Program, Taylor Morgan. So Taylor coaches entrepreneurs on how to maximize their health, happiness, and productivity so they can optimize their work-life balance and while continuing to grow their business. So, you know, he coaches entrepreneurs, but ultimately the strategies, the tips that we share or Taylor shares in this episode will apply to absolutely anyone. And if you listen all the way to the end, he actually shares his strategies from the program, from the Captain's Lifestyle program itself okay so these are some really cool strategies for how to start your day how to complete your day and what how to structure your day as well uh in the episode itself uh taylor kind of shares his backstory which is really quite inspirational uh from having quite a big ego self-confessed having quite a big ego in the marine corps until an accident and he explains what happened there uh, an accident actually really turned his life around and, and turned him towards the advent of self-development, personal development, learning, and learning just how to really optimize his life. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those common themes that we have in this podcast from many, many of the guests. If you've been listening, you would have noticed this. Many of them had experienced some something that really kind of knocked them and shifted their mindset for the positive and i suppose that's where it always comes back to the magical word of self-awareness and, and when that knock happens is just being able to kind of clock it and understand it and learn from it and be objective about what you can do with that information for the better so that's what i really love about these these interviews and talking to new guests is you see these overlaps and you see what are, what are the lessons that we can take for our own life, for our own self-mastery. So let's get into today's episode. As always, please, guys, at the end, if you really enjoy it, tell us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. And if it allows you to leave a review, then please do that. It really helps to support this podcast and to keep it going. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode with performance coach, Taylor Morgan. All right, Taylor Morgan, uh, welcome to Mastering You with Matt Sutton. Uh, I'm so uh, thankful for having you because I know it's nice and early in Southern California right now. Well, it is, is for your normal routine, right? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's not early for me, but uh, early for, you know, I wouldn't usually be starting any type of work uh, this time. So, yeah, well, we can, uh, I'd, I'd quite like to get into daily habits and, and routines later on, if you're up for that, particularly Absolutely. as a performance coach yourself, like I'm always really interested to find, to talk to other performance coaches about what their little rituals and routines are all about. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm really, really excited about this conversation today. And I know the listeners are going to really enjoy this. Uh, we've got lots to talk about. Uh, but obviously, you know, just for the sake of the listeners, this is the apart from the few minutes chat that me and Taylor just had, this is the first time we've really connected as well. So it'd be really cool to have a, a little bit of a deep dive into what has uh, taken you here to where you are today being a high performance coach for successful entrepreneurs. Yeah, for sure. 
I don't know how, how deep of a dive you want to do. I'll, I'll oh, give a man, brief wherever overview. You, how deep you want to go. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'll just start uh, from the Marine Corps. So after I got out of high school, joined the Marine Corps, served four years as a machine gunner, um, would end up breaking my ankle before my second deployment. And uh, it was because I was drunk and being stupid and uh, that was kind of one of the major catalyst points to get me down this path that I'm on today. Because before that point, I wasn't, it's, you know, it's not like I wasn't doing anything with my life, but I knew that I wasn't being as productive as I could be. I wasn't making the most out of my time. Um, I would, you know, go out drinking every weekend, drive back to base drunk, which is horrible. Um, you know, play video games during the day. Um, and so, yeah, I, I wasn't maximizing my time. And so when I broke my ankle, that kind of sobered me up a little bit. Literally, I, I completely quit drinking for uh, two years. I started taking a really deep dive into all things personal development, listening to podcasts, reading books, which is a big thing for me because up until that point, I had never read a book cover to cover. I hated it. I uh, started taking online college courses, everything I could to maximize my potential um, until I got out of the Marine Corps. Wow. Once so I got that, out that drunken, that drunken episode was quite valuable then. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. And, and there's a whole crazy backstory to that, but yeah, that was, that really woke me up. Um, and so I, I'm glad it happened because if it hadn't have, then I, I wouldn't be where I am today. And so I, I think this is with everybody out there, all of your major successes stem from um, at what you perceive at the time to be a major failure. And so for me, breaking my ankle, that made it so I couldn't go on my deployment. And I was devastated by that. But, you know, look where I am now, I'm, I'm much happier, because I broke my ankle. So yeah. I think you only fail if you fail to learn from your mistakes. As long as you learn from it and improve, then I don't really think it's a failure. It's just a, a learning experience. Yeah, so, 100%. As I was saying, after I got out of the Marine Corps, I became a CrossFit coach, ended up uh, being the head coach of the biggest CrossFit gym in Saudi Arabia. Actually turned down a position in the Cayman Islands. Uh, they even flew me out there showed me the gym, had me coach. The community was amazing. Gym was great. The beaches were even better, but I turned them down simply because Saudi Arabia paid me more money. And I thought because I had just got out of the Marine Corps, hating my life for little pay, I could go to Saudi Arabia, a place that I knew that I wouldn't really like because they paid me more. Um, come to find out after the first few months, I could give two shits about the money because I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled. Mm. And um, we can get into this later, but that, that experience in Saudi Arabia is ultimately what led me to, to what I do today. So right. should, should I dive into that now? Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've left this all on the cliff. So I'm okay. uh, yeah. Yeah. So in Saudi Arabia um, and I'm speaking generally, of course, there's some outliers there who are living good lifestyles. But the majority of people there, from my experience, were living the opposite of how I wanted to live. They didn't care about their own personal health. They didn't care about other people. Um, and they didn't care about the environment. So on, on multiple occasions, I would see people, you know, flicking their cigarette butts just out onto the street. So obviously, they don't care about their personal health. If they're smoking, they don't care about the environment. There's trash everywhere. Um, stray cats dead in the street. Uh, they stay out late till like 2, 3 a.m. drinking coffee. So obviously they can't sleep when they do go to sleep. They're eating bad food and then they're super stressed out from their work because the mentality there for a lot of people is unfortunately all around money, like mine was when I first went there. Yeah. I thought that money, yeah, I thought that money would, would equal happiness. And for there, you know, they're so wealthy. They have so much wealth and a lot of things they do are for money. So a lot of the people there have jobs that they don't like going to, but they pay them really well. And they mm. feel like they're kind of stuck because I, I talk to a lot of them and I'm like, why don't you quit? Why don't you get a new job? They're like, I can't. And why would I? This pays me 
well like what what else is there and so i, I think as a whole you know the world has a, a a misconstrued view on what success really is like i found out i could care less how much money i'm making if i'm not happy you know so i, I think the discussion needs to be around happiness as opposed to money yeah and, and unless you've exp- like uh, at least you put yourself out there to, to to try even like even though it didn't work out if you're not experiencing different environments then you may not be aware of those other that those are the of opportunities that are available to you so if if the core value of that country is very much around wealth then you know and obviously people indoctrinated into that then you know, I suppose to some extent you can't, you know, unless, unless you've experienced sort of freedoms in other countries and opportunities in other countries, um, people, people, yeah, it's, it's like we're all dictated by our environments, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, I'm, I'm very happy I went there because it led me to create my own coaching program because, and this wasn't just in Saudi Arabia, this has been a reoccurring pattern at, at every CrossFit gym I coached at. I would have athletes come up to me and ask, Hey coach, why am I not getting better? I've been coming into the gym for so-and-so long. Like why, why am I plateauing? And I'd ask, okay, well, how was your sleep? What are you eating? How are your stress levels? And their answers would always be, well, I'm lucky if I get six, seven hours tops, uh, my diet is okay. And as I'm sure you probably know, anybody who says their diet is okay, you're pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Usually means so that it's always it, a red flag. <laughs> it's not great. Um, and then they're stressed out from work, their relationships, whatever it is. And I, th- so there's your answer. I told them, I was like, you can't come into the gym for one hour and expect that to offset the other 23 hours of your bad lifestyle. That's, that's not how it works. If you're not, if you're not letting your body recover from the sleep, if you're not fueling your body properly through nutrition and you're so inflamed from the massive amounts of stress, and then you continue to work out, you might actually be making yourself weaker. Mm. You're breaking your body down because it doesn't have a chance to recover instead of building it up. So by you going to the gym, yes, going to the gym can be good, but if you've got all these other things out of place, it might actually be doing more harm than good. So that's, that in combination with me wanting to work from wherever I want, whenever I wanted, you know, be my own boss, be responsible for my own success is what led me to create the captain's lifestyle program, which is what I do today. Cause at the time, to my knowledge, there was no program out there that combined all of these six pillars of the optimized human experience into one program and gave them in the correct order, which I believe is important. Um, a lot of people want to start with exercise or they want to start, you know, with all these fancy supplements and biohacks, but that's like, those are the last things you should be worrying about. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's what led me to what I do today. Yeah. It's yeah. I've I've been through a similar journey, you know, 15 years kind of doing this now and gone from learning the basics to learning all of the, the, the biohacky advanced stuff, all of the different intermittent fasting, all of these different things. And then like about three or four years ago, just like just went all the way back around to where I started, but gone deep level on those foundations. Yeah. Because like you say, until you've laid, laid those foundations and you, you know, it's just something that's very hard for people to commute, um, to compute is the importance of these other areas of the lifestyle, you know, I kind of still wonder why that is so much because in in the media and in the world, it's still such rammed down our throat to, to, to kick ass in the gym and to, to eat less. It's like this move more, eat less mentality still. And there's, there's still, there's probably the podcasts, the type of podcasts and books that you read similar to me, we're in that world where we, we sort of listen to this stuff all, all the time. But I often wonder for the average person, who's not in that world, you know, how much are they hearing about how important sleep really is and how important managing their stress really is and how detrimental, like you said, like you can go into the gym and just been completely worn out cortisol levels already through the roof. You know, you're, you, what are you going to actually get out of the training session? N- nothing, if anything, injury. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I don't yeah, know. Well, Have you got any any theories to why this is? Is it just because health is just a complex thing and it just takes a you know a long time to learn this stuff? Oh no, I, I think it's just the opposite. I think health is super simple. I think we've made it complicated. I think it's been you know. I think people are trying to to get money from it, these big corporations and pharmaceutical industries and things like that. And so the money always drives the attention. So mainstream television is, is you know, they have commercials of pharmaceutical drugs on there that don't actually cure anything. They're a Band-Aid to the problem. So I think Western yeah, medicine... Have that in the US, don't you? Like, we don't have... You, oh, you actually have commercials of pharmaceutical companies. <laughs> yeah, you guys don't have that? No. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. so I think one of the big problems, especially in the United States, is, you know, Western medicine is basically the opposite of healthcare. Western medicine is sick care. You know, they're, they're treating the, the symptoms of the illness rather than looking at what is actually causing this to happen. Mm. Uh, so a common example I'd like to give is if you had a pain in the bottom of your foot, would you take some painkillers to get rid of the pain? Or would you take your shoe off and see if there's anything in there, empty out the rock that's poking you in the bottom of the foot. And then that cured your foot pain as opposed to taking these pills. So I think that just the whole view of what health is, health is often described as the absence of disease. But as you and I know, health is much more than that. Like, I don't think you're healthy if you're not happy, successful, you know, thriving. Well, health in your is life. life, isn't it? It, it yeah. gives you life. It creates energy and life. And I think too many people are just surviving mm. uh, just on autopilot as opposed to like living and loving their life. <clears throat> health is much more than just the absence of disease. You know, it's, it's happiness and, <laughs> and loving your day-to-day -day life. Yeah. So, but can yeah, I just I, ask? Can I just ask? Just going right back because I'll, I'll probably go back and forward a little bit. Were, were you always into, like? You, obviously, you joined Marine Corps when you were young. Was that was that always a dream? Was that something that you always had high plan to do? Yeah. So, uh, growing up in high school, it was either become a baseball player or join the Marine Corps. And I decided my junior year of high school that I was going to join the military. Um, and, you know, before high school, it was, you know, be an explorer like Indiana Jones or something yeah. like that. But yeah, so Marine Corps was, it was either baseball or, or military my whole life. And so I chose Marine Corps. Nice. Nice. Okay. Yeah. No, I just, I, and so, so in terms of like, you, was it a disappointment to, to come out? Uh, you mean to get out of the Marine Corps? Yeah. No, I, I actually did not uh, really enjoy my experience in the Marine Corps. It wasn't what I had expected. There were some leadership issues, a lot of uh, do what I say just because I say so, because I have the power as right. opposed to leading by example um, and, you know, really building the relationships and taking care of your people, which, you know, I get it that that has to be in place in a combat situation to where it's like, I say something, you just have to do it because if you don't, we're going to die. That makes sense. Yeah. But when we're not in a combat situation, you have to build those relationships as a leader to where when you do get into those combat situations, we're going to want to follow your orders just because you say it. So there are some of those issues that I didn't agree with. A lot of times we just had to do things just for the sake of doing things. And yeah. I was like, there's literally no reason why we're doing this. So I didn't get that. And I was, uh, I was frustrated. And also I joined the Marine Corps out of all the other branches because I thought they were, you know, the best of the best. Um, and from my experience, that was not the case. I was very surprised on the, the guys who were able to make it past boot camp, And then, then again, get into, uh, machine gunning, which okay. in the infantry I thought was the best. And just the level of excellence was not what I expected it to be. 
Interesting. Interesting. Were there any key lessons though that you you took from it that have really helped you in your, your later career as a coach today? Hundred uh, percent. The the discipline aspect is crucial. Um, you know, former Navy SEAL, famous guy, author of Extreme Ownership, Jocko Willink. Yeah. He his you know one of his catchphrases is discipline equals freedom. Yeah. And truly, it Jocko. does. You know, Legend. Yeah. W- with your diet, if you're not disciplined with your diet, you're not going to get the results you want. If you're not disciplined at waking up in the morning, you're not going to have productive days. Like discipline in every category of your like life equals freedom. Um, so th- the discipline was huge. And also I learned this when I tried out for the sniper screener, which is, uh, you know, five days of no more than four hours of sleep, minimal food, constant <laughs> moving physical and mental, uh, games that they would play with you just to see if you had what it takes to, to make it as a sniper. Uh, we started with like 50 guys. Um, by the last day, there was like, I think only 11 of us. Um, and I had made it to the end, but I was the only guy who didn't actually make it to the sniper platoon. So out of all of my friends who made it to the last day, I was the only one that they cut. And the reason that they gave me was that I didn't work well with others, that I was too focused on myself passing, which at the time I thought was bullshit because I thought I helped out a lot. But looking back, I now understand that I could have absolutely done a lot more to, to help out, but I was too focused on myself getting sleep, on myself being able to physically get through these things. So I learned from that experience that it's not about me. Nobody gives a shit about me. It's about working together to collaborate towards, you know, whatever the goal is, especially, you know, in something like the sniper platoon, you have to have those connections. You have to be working together because again, that's a life or death situation. So Hmm. they were right for letting me go, but I'm glad that they did because again, that led me to where I am today. Just flipping back to the discipline thing, you know, and, and, and obviously I think everyone gets the whole discipline equals freedom thing, but more practically, like what, what did you learn about building? Because obviously you, you probably have heard it a thousand times as well as a coach, like clients coming, oh, I wish I had more discipline and willpower. I wish I could stick to things. Like what, what are your kind of tips for those people? What would you say to those people if someone's listening right now and they say, I wish I could be more disciplined? What, what can they do to start building more discipline into their life? Well, first I would say change your language. Instead of saying, I wish I was or I should be, or I want to be dot, 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 change your language to I am, or I will be something like that. So if, if you say I want to, or I should, that kind of takes the blame off you because you're not actually committing to anything. Mm. So commit, make the decision, say, I am more disciplined. I will be more disciplined. And that's only half of it. Then you actually have to go be more disciplined, which to achieve that, I believe you need to set smaller goals. I think that's one of the huge reasons why people don't achieve their New Year's resolutions, for example, because it's usually this huge goal that lasts the entire year. Like I'm not going to drink alcohol for an entire year. And then, you know, three days the, later, the week, yeah, <laughs> the, the weekend rolls around after you made the resolution and you're like, shit, I, I really want that drink because it's, you know, it's this huge goal a year in the future. Like, I don't think I can do that. So my tip is to set smaller goals, whatever you think you can accomplish. That's great. But maybe cut it back a little bit if you haven't built up that discipline. So start with very, very small goals. If you, if you want to go to the gym five days a week, just commit to, you know, uh, three days a week. If you think you can only do three days a week, cut it down to, I will work out uh, you know, 20 minutes for uh, on Monday morning and just do that once and then obviously build up from there. Yeah. And be, I think for people as well, when they're making these commitments is, is ahead of time thinking about what potential sacrifices or changes they might actually have to make in order for that to, to work. Like that's one of the things that often, I don't know if you find this is people forget that if you're going to try and do something, then that might mean that the thing that they're already doing at that time 
will have to change. And so, so it's, uh, you know, what's the challenge currently and being ahead of time. Mm. I think also what you said about the language was great. Like a lot of people who, who say, I want to be more disciplined. They almost create this identity where they're a person that doesn't have discipline. And the yeah. fact that they're saying, I want to be more, I, I, want, I wish I was a disciplined person. They want to be a different person. They want to have a different identity, but they're not practicing the skills to, to create that new identity. 100%. And, and that, that like goes you with said, anything. having the language patterns, like being aware of when you're saying things that are, which identity are you playing? Are you playing the victim identity of, I haven't got enough, you know, this or that? Or I, like you said, I am. Yeah. And that, like I said, that goes with anything, not just discipline. But if you say like, I am depressed, then you're just, you know, you're, you're replaying that in your head. And that is, that becomes your self identity. And if you keep repeating that in your head, you know, if you're, if you believe it, it's going to be true. So if you keep saying, I am depressed, I have a bad knee, I'm not productive. You're, you're, brain is going to focus on that and it's going to find a way to make sure that that's true. So I believe that one of the first steps to change is changing your language, changing your self-talk, the way you think about yourself. And, you know, it's not just a simple switch that, you know, happens overnight. It takes time. So the first step I think is recognizing that you do have these self-limiting beliefs and that you are, uh, you know, re what's the word, uh, like emphasizing these negative aspects of your life that you would like to change, just becoming aware of that. And if one of those thoughts does go through your head, acknowledge it and then rephrase it to, I am not as productive as I would like to be right now, but I will work on it, you know, by doing this, this, and this, and then have a plan of how you're going to get out of it. Yeah. You can change just your thoughts and that will make a difference, but you actually have to, you know, take action towards something. Manifesting is absolutely real. It works, but in order for it to have its maximal effect, you actually have to, you know, do things in real life. So mm. if you are depressed, you know, change your language, first of all, to, I am a happy person. And then actually go make that happen. Get out in the sunshine, you know, uh, get some movement in, go for a walk up, you know, uh, balance out your neurotransmitters because that's, really the problem is there's a neurotransmitter imbalance up there. Um, and yeah, so change your language, change your actions. Nice, nice. Well, that leads nicely into one of the topics I want to talk about, uh, which is productivity. It's one of my, it's, yeah, my big passions, um, probably like a lot of performance coaches, but yeah, for reasons that are different to maybe most people, I, I'd love to ask you, like love to find out from you why productivity is so important to you and be, and I'll share my own reasons as well. But what, what is it about productivity that obviously you, you spend a lot of your time with your coaching practice, helping entrepreneurs be more, more productive. And, and I guess people in general, what, what is it about productivity that you, that's important to you? Yeah. Well, I think being productive is crucial to living a fulfilling life. I think that the real definition of success is not money, is not accomplishments, is not fame. I define success as happiness plus excellence. So the excellence, meaning you pay attention to detail, you know, little things are big things. Uh, you're giving, first off, you're optimizing your own personal health, and then you're helping others, you know, do better in their lives. And in order to do that, you have to be productive you have to be getting productive work done, uh, working towards a greater cause. And then the happiness part of it is you have to enjoy whatever it is that you're doing. So I am extremely fulfilled with the work that I do, but somebody else might not enjoy the work that I do. So even though my work is helping people, it, it's not a good fit for everybody because everybody won't enjoy what I do. So it's the combination of happiness plus excellence that equals real success. And that's why productivity is important. I don't think you can live a successful life if you're not productive. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent agree. And that was you, you kind of stole my own answer. Actually, just maximizing life for me is is what pr productivity. I think a lot of people think of it as as getting things done or or working things off your to do list. And 
And yeah, I guess to some extent that that's a strategy towards, you know, productivity, but ultimately it's about how you maximizing every minute that you have in the day. Like, you know, at the end of the day, we only have so much time on this earth, right? So, you know, what are you, you know, time is that one thing. It, t- time is that, that one thing we don't get back. So how are you yeah. maximizing that time? I think too many people confuse busyness for being productive. They're two completely different things. You can be productive and busy at the same time, but just because you're busy does absolutely not mean that you're productive. You could be busy doing things that don't matter. Being productive means that you're working on things that do matter, that move the needle forward, that move you closer to your goals. You know, answering emails all day, reacting to notifications, putting out fires, that's being busy. That's not being productive. You can hire somebody to to do those things. You should be you know, I work with entrepreneurs, you should be working on the things that move your business forward. You shouldn't be worried about all these minor little tasks. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that so that moves me nicely onto entrepreneurship in, in general, Taylor. So you, you work with entrepreneurs. What, what is it about entrepreneurship? You know, I asked you a question about productivity, same question about entrepreneurship. What is it that pa- you're passionate about with entrepreneurship? Yeah, well, I decided to coach entrepreneurs, um, one, because that was the type of people who would come up to me if, when I was a CrossFit coach asking me why they weren't getting better because they're high achievers. I think anybody who wants to become an entrepreneur would describe themselves as a high achiever. You know, they, they want to accomplish more. They want to get things done. They want to be productive. And, you know, same thing in the gym, they care about their performance in the gym. And so they would come up to me and I already explained the story. Um, You know, people who don't care about their performance and are just happy to be there, which, you know, nothing wrong with that going to the gym, just having fun moving is absolutely good, but they would never come up to me and ask why they weren't getting better because they didn't care. They just wanted to go have fun and enjoy themselves. And another reason I chose entrepreneurs is because they're the ones I believe that need this the most. Because unfortunately, there's like these myths out there. The, the entrepreneurial mentality is all about, yeah, bro, you got to sacrifice your sleep. You got to work 80 hours a day and grind, hustle, hustle. Mm. Um, you know, you got to let go of your friends and family. You have to focus on you and your business 100%, 24 hours a day. <laughs> and it's just the opposite of that. So I got, I got, um, pretty frustrated of hearing that all the time. Like, yeah, just sacrifice your sleep, stay up a little bit later and still wake up early and you'll get more done. Well, I'm here to tell you that you cannot get more done by cutting out your sleep. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. You might think you're being productive during that time, but it's impossible to maximize brain health on less than seven hours of sleep. You cannot be operating at your peak capacity. And so what happens is, a lot of times you're just being busy. You're taking longer on a task that would take you less time if you would have gotten the proper amount of sleep. Um, and so those are some of the reasons why I wanted to work with entrepreneurs. And also I love their mentality because uh, it's the same mentality that I had. You know, I want to work from wherever I want, whenever I want, and I want to create an impact in people's lives, which is why I, I coach social entrepreneurs, people who are making other people or the environment better. Ah, so that's the, so it's a specific type of entrepreneur, so a social entrepreneur. Yeah, I, I turn down anybody who comes to me solely for selfish reasons. Um, I, I only work with, uh, and I describe. Sorry, so, say that. What's the? How do you categorize a social entrepreneur again? What were those? How did you do that? Yeah, so I define social entrepreneurship as anybody or any business who is giving back and or servicing either other people, animals, or the environment in some way, shape, or form. So entrepreneurs whose primary objective is not money, although money comes, you know, once you help people, their primary objective is to make the world a better place in, you know, whatever way possible. So environmental, helping out um, other animals, helping out humans, any, anything like that. Nice. And what, what are some of the most common challenges that the entrepreneurs that you work with have? Is it, is it just a combination of all the big norms, like the poor nutrition, poor sleep, stress? Well, yeah, that's all. I mean, that's all stuff that 
us as coaches know about, but they don't necessarily know about that. They just know mm -hmm. that the most common thing is lack of time management and productivity. Almost yeah. everybody who comes to me struggles with maximizing their time and being productive. They want to get more done and, you know, they don't necessarily know why, but you and I know why it's because they're not sleeping. It's because they're not fueling their bodies properly. It's because they're not managing their stress, all those types of things. So that is by far the most common issue. They want more time for themselves. Yeah. Why do you think that they, why do you think that's such a common issue? Cause I've seen that time and time again as well with business owners and, you know, they'll say that they've got no time to maybe come to their workouts or to, to eat the good foods that they need to be eating. But then when we might challenge them on, on what actually is getting done, you know, mm -hmm. you can quickly see, well, actually it's the time that you take when you have the more sleep or you have the exercise or you have the good nutrition, the extra energy that you get or the, the more prolonged energy that you get usually far outweighs the time cost in the moment that exactly. working an extra two hours might feel like you sit in front of a laptop for another two hours at 11 o'clock at night and you can think that you're being like you said earlier but you're being busy but actually are you being productive yeah um, but it's like um there's people have got like a blindfold on to to, to that happening mm -hmm. isn't it yeah and i think it's because they haven't defined their priorities because the, I don't have time excuses bullshit. Everybody, every single human being always makes time for their priorities, no matter what. Like if you're in an important business meeting, but then you get a call that your wife is dying, it doesn't matter what's happening in the business meeting. You're going to go get on a plane, whatever you have to do to go to your wife, right? Like it, the, I don't have time is just, it, it, it shouldn't even exist. I, I hate it. You know, you do have time. You make time for whatever you want to do. So you choose what you want to spend your time on. And I think the problem is people haven't defined what they want to spend their time on. They just see, you know, mainstream media or on Instagram, these entrepreneurs who are flashing their, um, their lifestyle of financial time and financial freedom. They want that. And I think the way to get there is by working, you know, on their business 24 hours, seven nonstop, which yes, hard work is absolutely part of it. You like, you can't achieve anything without hard work, but it's about the proper balance in order to work hard and be productive during that time. You have to get good sleep. You have to be fueling your body. You have to have good relationships. You can't just be focused on work. You have to have a good home life because mm. if you come home and you're stressed out from work and your wife doesn't want to talk to you and this and that, and you can't be optimized. Then you wake yeah. up and go to work the next day and you're stressed out about the argument you had. And it's just, so it's about first prioritizing, defining what it is that you truly want, the end goal, and then figuring out, figuring out okay, these are the steps that are going to take me there. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I always like the analogy with sort of high performance, not even high performance that, you know, that, but just, just trying to live your potential, I suppose is, it's a bit like a, a formula one racer, you know, they'll spend how much time and money do they, they mm. invest into getting the best car? Let's face it. Yes. You know, at the top level, there's probably 0.02% between the best drivers that the, the car, the, the fastest car is going to win. Right. And so how much time are they spending just always working on the different aerodynamics and getting the best team so that they can you know, constantly you know, get the best car. And if you think of that as your body, you know, cause, cause at the end of the day, that, that car is only just racing for a few hours or whatever. And yeah. it's so how, you know, if you think about that in your own life, people listening, like how much time are you spending doing, doing the repair work, doing the upgrade work? How can we make this thing better? So that when I do go to the gym, I'm going to get so much more out of it. Yeah. Imagine if you put dirty fuel into one of those race cars, that's the same thing when you're eating bad food. You're literally fueling your body with things that are going to slow you down. Every cell in your body is literally made up of the food that you consume. So if you consume bad food, your brain, I, I forget the exact percentage, but it's a certain percentage of fat. So if you're eating bad fats, your brain is literally going to be made up of these bad damaged fats. And then people wonder why they have brain fog and they can't focus 
and they have you know trouble with memory and creativity because one you're probably not sleeping well and two you're consuming those things so your body is made up of those substances so let's say taylor that someone's listening right now that they're maybe going through a real rough spot that they're struggling a little bit in their life in general just energy not good you know just feeling a bit meh you know what's the you know you've got these different pillars of performance within your coaching what where where did you you talked a lot about sleep would you say to someone right start by just really focusing on great sleep or would you say start with really focusing on nutrition or would you say maybe you need to focus on a few different things at once how how would you go about it well this is going to depend entirely on the person it, yeah, it's individual, which is why I want to create an individual one-on-one program. Um, you know, I could absolutely sell my course as, you know, just a bunch of videos. You get through it on your own time, but I don't believe that that will create as much of an impact. Um, you can absolutely take some things away and get better from it. But I think one of the major uh, benefits of a one-on-one program is you get to figure out what works for you. Because everybody's situation is slightly different. Somebody might have amazing sleep, but their diet sucks, which is kind of an oxymoron because you can't have amazing sleep if your diet sucks. Mm. But, you know, there's different areas that people should be focusing on based on their current circumstances. I would say the majority of the time, it's probably sleep. Just from my own experience um, of interviewing people, working with clients, most of the time your sleep could be better. And I think that is the most important thing is optimizing your sleep. And maybe even before that point, you mentioned earlier, getting clear on what your priorities are. So before you even start (laughs) to think about what changes, because, you know, it sounds quite simple to like focus on your sleep, but for someone that let's say has spent the last 10 years, you know, spending three hours watching telly before bed or what, or spending a few hours just on social media on the phone and and that you they don't realize like any habit just how ingrained that habit has become so saying well switch off your phone an hour before that that could be really tough for some people right yeah yeah good point and this is why the first thing that i have my clients do in the program is define their goals like we i i call it your treasure map and your compass directions. Your treasure map is your mission statement. So your end goal in life, what it is that you're working towards, you have to have an end goal in mind in order to create steps to get there. And it's called your treasure map because if you you know follow it, you achieve life's ultimate treasure for you. You get to decide that. That's gonna be different for everybody. Nobody else can tell you what your goals are. And then your compass directions I, are um, a name for your core values. So I believe that if you follow your core values, that's going to lead you to where you want to go. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think so many people don't have those defined their mission statement, core values, their vision statement for them and their business. So you're absolutely right. Defining what it is you actually want, the legacy you want to leave, who you want to be remembered as that is definitely the first step because that will allow you to realize why you need to shut off your phone why you need to get better sleep, why you should be optimizing your nutrition, because those are the things that are going to allow you to achieve your end goals. Yeah, that's a great way to kind of like finish that part is just, you know, if there's a pain or the idea of making certain new actions or behaviors, ultimately the, the why behind it needs to be greater than, than the struggle or the pain that's going to not pain, but the, the, the work, that's going to have to be put in to building those better habits. The reason behind it, the driving force behind it really needs to be greater because otherwise you're just going to get back to doing the the thing that you've always done. Right. hundred percent. Everybody wants to lose weight, look good naked. Everybody out there. I mean, I don't know. There might be some person who's crazy who who doesn't, (laughs) who doesn't want to, but most normal people want to look good naked. Right. And so the the common New Year's resolution goals are I'm going to get on a diet. I'm going to go to the gym. But there's a reason why all those drop off. One, because it's way too big of a goal. If you've been a couch potato your whole life, you just expect that you're going to eat healthy and start going to the gym. No, you got to set smaller goals. And two is because they haven't really defined why they want those goals. 
So get really specific with it. Ask why multiple times. Why do you want to lose weight? Because I, um, you know, I just want to lose weight. I want to lose 20 pounds. Okay. Why specifically 20 pounds? Why not 19 pounds? Why not 21 pounds? Well, I, I want to look a, a certain way in a bathing suit. Okay. Why do you want to look that way in a bathing suit? Because I want my wife to look at me the way she used to when we first met. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Now we're getting to why you specifically want to lose that weight and look good because you want your wife to look at you the way that she used to. That's a real goal that you can be thinking about when you want to skip the cookie. Cause it, mm. in the moment you're, you're going to eat the cookie. Like you want it, but if yeah. you keep that in mind, like I'm doing this for this reason, that's going to make it a whole lot easier to stick to it. I think, and, and we've had lots of people on the pod, this podcast, you talk about that, the importance of, of your goals and your vision and your why and your values. Uh, I don't know about, about you. I think one of the reasons people don't do that work is is often because they spend very little time in their life actually doing anything for themselves. So it's, it's almost a bit selfish to, to, you know, and, and they're just not used to it actually thinking about putting themselves first. What do I want? What's important to me? Because a, a lot of their life is spent, you know, working for the, the boss or, you know, yeah. looking, making sure the kids are okay and making sure everyone else is okay, but not themselves. Yeah, the, so, the, the common analogy there is you can't pour from an empty cup. If you are not happy or healthy, how can you expect to make anybody else healthy or happy? You can't take care of anybody else if you can't take care of yourself. Yeah, 100%. So this has been real fun. Um, just, to, just to wrap things up, where we spoke at the start about finding out any sort of secrets or biohacks or anything. That, what, what's your daily routine look like, Taylor? Yeah, good question. Um, I am having podcasts with awesome uh, podcast hosts like myself. <laughs> of course, yeah. I, I wish this could be a, a daily routine. I, I love, I, I love this type of stuff. Um, but yeah, I implement what's called the cages morning ritual and the four three two one thirty method evening ritual. And nice. these are my signature morning and evening rituals that I've created that I personally use that I teach my clients. Um, and so briefly, I'll go over each of them. Cages stands for cold exposure, affirmations, growth, exercise, and sunlight. And so cold exposure, yeah. the typical one being cold showers um, in the morning, and affirmations being reviewing your mission statement, your core values, any, any you know, positive statements that you want to uh, repeat over and over, like in you know, I am happy. Yep. I am healthy. Uh, like one of we were mine talking about earlier. Exactly. One of mine is everything always works out for me. That doesn't mean that I'm always right or that, you know, everything's always perfect, but I understand that no matter what happens, I get to choose my response to that and how I can make it better. So that one really helps me. The growth is any type of education, podcasts, reading, uh, any type of educational course that you're in, practicing skills, anything like that. Exercise uh, really should be movement. I don't mean like a hardcore CrossFit workout first thing in the morning, but some type of movement. I personally do a little bit of yoga and stretching and then go out for a morning walk just to get the blood and the lymph flowing. And then the S, which I believe is the most important one, is sunlight. Because the more sunlight you get in the morning, the more melatonin your body produces at night. We could go super deep dive into sunlight and circadian rhythm and mm. all that stuff. So that's the cages morning ritual. The four, three, two, one, 30 method for the nightly ritual is four hours before bed. Make sure you finish up all intense exercise. So as long as you work out in the morning or afternoon, you're fine. Reason being is you don't want your core body temperature or your cortisol elevated before bed exercise raises both of those uh, three hours before bed finish up your last meal because you also don't want a large meal sitting and digesting in your stomach while you're trying to sleep which also raises your core body temperature your body temperature needs to drop by two degrees in order to fall into deep sleep which is the restorative sleep where your body gets a chance to repair itself releases hgh testosterone uh, then two hours before bed limit all forms of stimulation so artificial light exposure from your phone screen, overhead lights, computer, TV, everything. 
So a pair of blue light blockers, there's um, software you can install on your computer, turn off, dim all lights in your home. And one hour before bed is begin your nightly ritual and limit all liquids, especially if, if you have to wake up to pee in the middle of the night, that greatly disrupts the quality of your sleep. And that can be avoided simply by cutting out liquids at least an hour before bed. You might have to push it back to 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, a, a note for guys that, you know, you, if you cut out liquids an hour, 90 minutes, two hours before bed, and you still have to wake up to pee multiple times, that's probably a good sign that you have some prostate issues that you should probably go get checked out. But assuming you don't, cutting out liquids can help. And then your nightly ritual, this is going to be different for everybody. It could be reading, meditation, journaling, stretching, you know, anything that's going to help wind you down. So AKA no work, no scrolling through social media. Uh, and then the 30 is 30 minutes before bed, take your supplements. Again, this is going to be different for every person, but one that I recommend everybody take is magnesium because mm, 80% my, of the population. Uh, my go-to. Yeah, it, it's amazing. Um, 80% are deficient in magnesium and specifically how it relates to bedtime are it reduces your stress and it improves your deep sleep. So it's, it's amazing. Magnesium plays a role in over 300 different, you know, bodily functions, uh, stress and sleep being two of the, the major ones. So yeah, that's the cages in the four, three, two, one thirty method. I really like that. I like that. Yeah. There's some good stuff there. I think uh, that's a really awesome way for people to, uh, well, for us to finish this conversation. I really enjoyed it. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm guessing with your, your coaching, Taylor, like, you know, uh, you do a lot of it online as well as in person, or is it mainly online? It's all online. I've had some clients who are local and then we kind of do hybrid. Mm. We meet in person, but I mean, it, it's all online. Awesome. So where can, where can entrepreneurs find, find you? Yeah, so info.thecaptainslifestyle.com. Uh, that is a link to download a free PDF version of the 432130 method that I just talked about. Uh, it goes into more detail than I did here. And there's also links to my social media on there, my full website. So everything can be found at info.thecaptainslifestyle.com. Fantastic. Well, definitely check that out, listeners. And um, yeah, I just want to say a big thank you, Taylor, for your time. It's been it's been really enjoyable. Love having these conversations. And even though uh, I think for the listener, even though we do probably cover a lot of similes with a lot of this stuff, I think it's just so important to get that repetition. So, you know, if you're a listener, listen to this and you're like, yeah, I've heard that about 10 times now. Well, maybe you should start implementing it. If you're not already, that's, that's my. <laughs> yeah, it, it takes like seven times for a person to hear something before they actually implement it, which is crazy. So if this is your 10th time hearing it, you better have implemented a lot of these things. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, no, again, we'll, we'll have to do this again sometime, Taylor. Thanks, thanks so much. Is there, is there any last words or any anything else you'd like to leave the listener with before you go? Sure. I'll just say, uh, choose happiness as opposed to anything else. If you're not happy with your life, choose happiness. That's always the answer. Nice. I can't think of a better way to finish than there. Thanks, man.